Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. This season is a mixture of positive birth stories and opinion from experts in the world of birth. It's so important to surround yourself with positive representations of birth and educate yourself as much as possible. So I really hope that you find this season useful and interesting. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. I'm really excited to speak to two amazing people today um, about the March of Midwives vigils and campaign. Um, I'm joined by Elle Fleming, who is a doula um, and a mother of a 15-month-old baby, and also a midwife, uh, Millie. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. So lovely to be here. You're so welcome. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, I, I'm really glad that we managed to get some time in before um, before the, uh, the the scheduled date of the vigils to discuss this because it's a really important topic and I think it's really important that people understand why maternity care and midwifery is in such crisis at the minute um, and why this whole March for Midwives um, campaign has started. Um, Elle, do you want to talk a little bit about what March with Midwives is about? Sure, and I'm, I'm glad we managed to slot this in as well because it is coming up really quickly now, Sunday, um, 21st of November, 2 p.m. Um, but yeah, it basically was started by um, a group of lay birth workers, doulas, um, and it was Paula Cleary who lives in March, not that far from me, and she had this idea um, for this, you know, March with Midwives. Um, and I've been told she was uh, chatting on the phone with um, Becky Scott and Maddie McCahan, and they said, no, this needs to be nationwide. This problem is nationwide and the campaign needs to um, to be as well. And so they started organizing and, and getting the word out. And it's really um, picked up some great momentum. Um, it's got about 20,000 people involved now. There's 72 vigils that are currently planned across the UK. Um, so, you know, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger, um, and it's a wonderful opportunity for lay birth workers, doulas, parents, midwives to all be able to get together and get on the same um, team, which hasn't really been much of an opportunity before. Um, and I think what, you know, these doulas realized from working in the system was just that there was this disconnect between how serious the government seemed to be taking the problem and how serious they seem to think it was and the reality on the ground that you know this crisis is not one on the on the horizon it's happening right now midwifery services are really at breaking point now um and that if someone you know doesn't stand up and make some noise about it um we're going to be seeing some very dire consequences in the next few years um yeah so that was just sort of where that that impetus come came from and it's been wonderful watching you know, everyone get together and chat and share stories and the solidarity that happens in the, the group is wonderful. You know, parents sharing their stories and being supported by midwives, midwives sharing their stories and being supported by parents. Um, you know, it's, it's become a really wonderful movement. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's so important, isn't it? Because it's not, it, it's, it, it affects everybody. Everybody's affected by birth. You know, we are all born. We all we all know people who have children. You know, we have families. We, we you know we have children ourselves, um, and it's a it's a society issue, isn't it? 
Yeah, and the impact of those births really ripple out through people's lives. So if we fail to invest there at the beginning, then we end up paying the cost, both kind of emotional and societal, but also, you know, monetarily throughout the rest of people's lives. Um, you know, it, it, you really can begin to change things when you start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it's not, and it's, but it's not just about the, the the mothers and the babies and the families, is it? I mean, Millie, it's, you know, as a midwife, you understand the 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 the, the, the issue within midwifery as a midwife working in 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 the NHS. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to um, add to Elle's point about um, how lovely it is that everyone's coming together because as a midwife at the moment in this current state, you do feel like you're failing families and you do feel like you're being blamed almost. But mm. when you hear that how actually, how actually the parents and the families, they, they are backing us as well, it's really lovely and it's really quite emotional actually because they are they're seeing this and they are they're trying to help as well and that's what I think has been really moving is that actually everyone is in this together and it's you know we're not we're not being blamed by families and I think it's really helping us midwives to realize that you know we're not other people are seeing it as well that you know it's 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 a massive issue yeah yeah I mean, when I gave birth last year I you know I really experienced the effects of this understaffing it was a very very difficult experience and you know, I wanted someone to blame at the time, and there was a lot of anger associated with that. Um, and you're right, you know, midwives are the they're the faces of it; they're the people you're seeing. Um, so it's really easy for that blame to to land there. Um, but as I, you know, learned more and and did research, and you know, began to realize that the problems that had happened to us were systemic, um, I came to realize, you know, those midwives were doing just absolutely the best they could in really impossible circumstances. And it's been wonderful being able to feel like you can do something about that because I felt very helpless for a long time. How, how, how do you think the midwifery and the maternity crisis affected your experience of birth health? Um, well, I had a, a very, very prolonged um, labor and I was in sort of early labor at home for a very long time. And then I went into hospital um, for an induction and um, I was at the Rosie here in Cambridge and you could just tell um, like the stress in the air was palpable um, and the midwives were basically running from room to room like you know like basically power walking you know and I've read these statistics about midwives skipping loo breaks and food breaks and absolutely I can believe it because no one even had a minute to sit down um, and then that was just really a recurrent theme that came up you know frequently in my birth was just that unless it was an actual emergency there was nobody who could help me so often. Um, so, you know, I ended up on monitors for hours, unable to move because no one had time to come take them off. You know, I wasn't allowed to have my partner with me for most of it because of COVID. So that was further exacerbated. I think it was really obvious how much slack the partners have been carrying um, that has sort of gone a bit unnoticed for a while. And then suddenly when they weren't there, it all came, you know, crashing down. Um, you know, I, for, ended up in a c-section and for several days afterwards was trying to raise breastfeeding concerns and saying that things weren't going very well and that I needed help and people only had time to really look for two minutes and say you know oh the latch looks fine to me she's gone on but then they'd have to run off you know because someone down the hallway was having an emergency and you know they absolutely were making the right choice in that moment and I don't think that any of them didn't care about us breastfeeding or think that it didn't 
matter. Um, but you know, on day three, when she'd lost 14% of her body weight and we had to go back into hospital and she was dehydrated, um, you know, that was really, really traumatic for us. And, you know, I had panic attacks for months afterwards, every time she had a feeding bump, um, and, and just, you know, it comes about from all of those little things, everyone who doesn't have more than two minutes because there's half of the people they need and there's, you know, a new baby coming on the delivery wards. They need another midwife down there right now. Um, you know, I've heard the, the postnatal stuff being called the Cinderella service, but it, it shouldn't be, it's essential. Um, and so it's all the things like that, you know, people are experiencing wonderful emergency care still, um, but all the things around it, I think are really slipping through the cracks and it took me a long time to kind of yeah come to terms with that mm. um and millie why why do you think that so many midwives are leaving the profession because one of the statistics that um was in the infographic that i created was that um there's for, for every um 30 midwives that are newly qualified and trained um, the net effect is that we only gain one because so many midwives are leaving. So why why do you think so many midwives are, are leaving the profession? Um, it's just it's just relentless. I mean, we've always had those months in the year where it's relentless because that's just it just is that way. Um, normally around September, but the last year and or two years have been constantly that our busiest month we haven't we don't even have a busy month now it's the whole time is just busy and there's more staff staff sickness now i think covid definitely didn't help that i mean with the new government rules as well you have to be off for that certain amount of time um i think with students as well um that we're not we're not looking after our students because we don't have the time to teach we don't have the time to make sure that they're okay like we're not even looking after ourselves so how can we look after our students I mean it's really really sad because I think we've had quite a few quit in the last few months because they just they don't even want to reach the end of qualifying and that's really heartbreaking they they've done all that hard work um I mean I work what on call shifts quite often as well um and could do a 13 hour on call with no break um having worked the day before and then i'll be expected to work the day after as well um especially when i was um when i was on the wards as well uh, i wouldn't go to the toilet all day and i'd get in my car on my way home and have a sip of water and be like that's my first sip of water i've had all day and realize how bad that was mm. um and we're not paid for our breaks either so they're automatically deduct an hour and 15 from our our days at work but it's rare that we even get that so it's really hard and then if we do we do try and give our students those breaks um but I can definitely see why why that they're not wanting to go through that and obviously that's reducing the amount of midwives we have got and I think a lot are choosing other career paths um like health visiting um things that aren't so acute kind of the care's not so acute but then like myself um, my last day's tomorrow as a midwife and it's really sad because I feel like I'm adding to the staffing problem but I just I can't deal with the stress and anxiety anymore and I need to be selfish and think of of me mm. um, and it is really really heartbreaking um but I think a lot of people are just thinking of their their mental health and if they're not moving on they're going off sick, sick with stress for a few months at a time so yeah it's not great at the moment at all yeah 
And then some of the statistics that you gathered together around mental health and midwifery were really shocking. Yeah, it's really, really stark. And I just want to say, really, I'm so sorry that you've been pushed out of, you know, a profession you clearly care very, very much about. Um, but, you know, I want to applaud you for taking care of your mental health because people who are hurting like that can't possibly provide, mm-hmm. you know, the, the care that people need. Um, and yeah, it's so prevalent. Um, one study in 2014 um, showed about a third, 33% of midwives were showing clinical symptoms of PTSD. Um, and the UK WELM study showed very, very similar numbers for depression, for high levels of stress, for anxiety, all between about 32 and 37%, which is way higher than population levels and than midwives in other studies that were, um, other countries that were studied as part of the, the WELM trial. So this is a uniquely um, UK midwifery problem at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, something like 96% of student midwives during the pandemic have reported mental health concerns. Um, you know, it, it is just shocking. Yeah, it, it and it's, heart, it's heartbreaking because, you know, midwifery is, I think it's kind of, it's a calling, isn't it? It's something that, you know, it's a, it's a career that people go into because they want to do good and they want to support people. Um, and, and those skills, you know, it, it, there, there is limited options for transferring those skills into other careers. Um, so leaving midwifery is quite a, is a, is a big decision to make um, because, because of the time and the effort and the, the you know, the, 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 the emotions that you put into qualifying to, to do that career and then having to step away from it because you feel like your hand's being forced, I think is heartbreaking. Yeah, and the financial debt. You know, the, the average UK student midwife graduates with forty-one thousand in student debt. That is, that's not a small weight around their neck. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Took away the bursary, didn't they? They used to pay you to do the like when I when I did my um, my midwifery, it was paid for. But now they're not even doing that. So it's just like what we need. They to do still give the bursaries in Northern Ireland and Scotland, but um, most midwives there, I think, it's over ninety percent say that they're not enough to live on. The bursaries have been cut so much that even where they exist, people are having to take out debt to to just live. Yeah, sorry, I think it is the bursary we're getting. I think it's the course that isn't funded anymore. So I know that my uni degree was paid for, and I got my bursary. But I know that. Yeah. Um, they're just expected to have their bursary, but they've just got to pay for their course as well. But they're obviously working full-time in placement that's not paid. So how are they meant to, you know, pay that back? So so the so the, the, the vigils that are, are organised for this weekend, um, what, how can people get involved oh, if, they, if they want to be involved and they want to make their voice heard? Um, so the first thing I'd encourage people to do is go and join the March with Midwives UK Facebook group um, if you're on Facebook because that's where all of the kind of central um, information is. Um, so there, there are 72 vigils happening around the nation so there's a decent chance if you're listening that there's one happening near you. Um, and if you can, you know, come along on Sunday that sends a really strong message those those bodies on the streets but even if you can't um, there are resources up there um, to write to your MPs. Um, you know, there's form letters. There is a petition that you can sign. Um, some uh, vigils are doing um, online live streaming, so you can attend virtually, even if you can't be there um, in person. And if you have a story, you know, 
a good one or a bad one, if you're a midwife, a family, whatever, you know, people want to hear those as well. So there's a form online for sharing those that they can, you know, then be shown to politicians or Reddit vigils. Um, so, you know, if you can come to a vigil, amazing. Um, but if you can't, there's still plenty you can do. Um, and just sharing on social media, you know, telling people this is the reality because a lot of people, you know, aren't having a baby this year. Maybe the last time they had a baby was 20 years ago or, you know, they just don't know what it's like. I think that, right I think now. that is the issue, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the media, um, has really reported on this very much or highlighted the, the the crisis. It's not, it's something that's not kind of been largely ignored, I think, in the news. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 frankly, it's a disaster waiting to happen um, because, you know, when, when you've got hospitals and you've got maternity wards that are understaffed and underfunded, it's going to impact the outcomes of mothers and babies and families. Um, and it already is. But it's that's just that's literally just going to get exacerbated by by, you know, continuing this trend of of, um, you know, not supporting our maternity services. Um, so we really do need to get kind of stories out there and um, and, and raise the profile of of, of the vigils and, and the campaign. And I think people generally, you know, they don't want to hear if you've had a, a bad birth story. You know, people respond with, oh, well, you have a healthy baby, so don't worry about it and so you know all of these mothers across the country are having these really difficult experiences and not feeling like they can talk about them and so you end up feeling like it's just happening to you yeah and yeah one of the the interesting things in the group has been watching everyone come together and be like oh wow it wasn't just me you know reading these stories and people saying you know this exact thing happened to me and I thought it was my fault and I thought you know I just didn't manage it properly um you know, it, it's it's so much more powerful when people can connect those stories to each other and realize this problem isn't, you know, individual. It's not, you know, you got the bad day or you didn't navigate the system properly or whatever. It's it's everywhere all the time. Yeah. And I think making people aware and understanding how this crisis affects, potentially will affect their maternity care because it's really far reaching and it affects so many of people's birth choices. I mean, COVID hasn't helped, admittedly, but I mean, I know, I know for a fact, I mean, in my local hospital, that staffing levels have meant that home birth services have been taken away, um, which means, and, and you know, if, if anyone follows me on Instagram and on Facebook, they know how much I shout about home birth as a really safe and feasible option for lots of people, because it has better outcomes for most people. Um, you know, you have drastically reduced chances of medical intervention if you give birth at home. And then that's taken away as an option because they're having to, to drag community and home birth midwives into hospitals because they haven't got the staff to cope with the people that are going into hospital. That's that's affecting people's birth choices. Um, and that's probably something that you're seeing as well, Millie, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's actually really, well, I can imagine it's really scary for our, um, our mums. I know that a lot of them, um, because our team recently got... Um, taken off of our intrapartum so I'm in the continuity team and we got taken off of our intrapartum care um to provide on calls for main community so that we don't have to um 
you know stop the home birth service again because this has happened like three times we've had to stop our home birth service so they pulled us off of our interpartum care for our caseload and they've we're now um second for main community and also uh, the unit when the unit's struggling and um, which we're on we're we're in every time we're on call and i've i know that when i told my caseload and our you know our ladies that we wouldn't be providing their interpartum care that they'd be getting a hospital midwife they just were really shocked and scared because they just said, well, you know, is there even going to be a midwife there for my delivery? And the heartbreaking reality is at the moment, we're seeing babies born on the antenatal ward quite yeah. frequently. It's not a shock anymore if someone says, oh, we had three deliveries last night ward because there were no beds for them on delivery suite. And it is, it's really dangerous. And mm. as a mum, as a first time mum, especially, I think, and second, second time mums, it must be really scary um, in knowing about this crisis and thinking they don't need that extra anxiety. I mean, you're pregnant and it's all new anyway. And then you're not even going to, are you even going to have care in your, in your, um, in your pregnancy? And I think that's, that's really scaring, scaring some people. Yeah. The recent um, RCM survey showed that I think 57% of midwives are thinking about leaving in the next year because mm -hmm. conditions have gotten so bad if you can imagine the the breaking point that services are at now i mean i don't even know how they would survive that no. that level of loss it's it's actually just unthinkable what would happen barely surviving now i mean yeah. every night the coordinators calling you know someone else higher above her because she needs help um because there's no yeah, i mean we haven't closed. I mean, a lot of hospitals around uh, around us are trying to call us to send their patients to us because they need to close their maternity, but we can't take them either. And then in the back of your head, you're thinking, well, well where are these ladies going to go? It's, um, yeah. Yeah, our local hospital, the Rosie, has been on divert. Um, Becky was reading these statistics on our um, Instagram earlier. I don't remember all of them, but it's something like, you know, half the days this last month. Rosie's been on divert so unable to take anyone new sending them you know our nearest hospital after that is Hinchinbrook which is a 50 minute drive away so even mm -hmm. if they have space mm -hmm. you know that's a really difficult shift to have to make in labor um and yeah when I was on the antenatal ward we had a yeah we had a baby delivered um when I was there um yeah it was actually ended up being um was talking with a student midwife and you know talked and talked about how hard I was finding it um, and she was crying with me and uh, you know she I could see the tears you know welling up in her eyes because she knew that this was you know and then she got this you know call from the hallway being like there's a baby being born down we need you right now and so she had to you know turn and walk away with me there in floods of tears because she you know she had to but I wonder so often you know does she think about that moment how often must she think about the I level of empathy she was showing and she had to walk away I think along with the safety aspect so the stress levels that we experience as midwives not only is it stress levels it's um because of the safety from you of you guys it's also um the fact that we feel like we're letting you guys down like uh, everyone's not getting the care that they deserve and it's not safe and I think that's it's just such a stress for us midwives because we go home every night and we've done the best we could but it's not the best um and I think that's that's what's really eating away and you go to bed you don't sleep because you think 
oh, what did I, I could have done that today or I should have done that, that wasn't done, um, you don't sleep. And then you're up again a few hours later to do it all again. And it's mm-hmm. it's hard because you just, yeah, you feel like you're letting everyone down in because you're just not giving the care that, and the time, we're not giving you the time that everyone needs either. So mm-hmm. it's really hard. I mean, I wish I didn't, I don't know that student midwife's name. I really wish I could find her and just, you know, give her a hug and tell her I understand. And it wasn't, it wasn't her fault. She did the best that she, she could. And it wasn't, you know, it's not enough. Of course it isn't, but she did absolutely the best that she could. And I, you know, I don't know if she knows that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I feel like all of the midwives I know, and I have a lot of friends who are midwives, are some of the most empathetic, compassionate people, you know, you go into that profession because you care so much um so having to just you know feel that pain from your patients and not be able to help it must be you know torture mm-hmm. so um what is it that we we need the government to do do you think to 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 help solve this problem because whatever is being done at the minute obviously isn't working or isn't sufficient who is that addressed? Oh, either of you. <laughs> um, well, the March with Midwives Manifesto has four main demands. Um, one is listening properly to midwives and service users. Um, and we're already seeing this, you know, sending letters to MPs and you get these four mm. letters back about, you know, better births and what it's going to mean. Copy and, and paste. Yeah, and politicians clearly not engaging with the reality of this, but I think some of them are beginning to sit up and take some notice. So that's the the first step. Mm -hmm. Um, Funding emergency retention of staff um, is a big one um, because, you know, you hear a lot from the government about recruiting new staff and and actually the problem really is hemorrhaging it from the other end. Um, Enabling all midwives who are willing to work to do so. Um, so a lot of trusts are saying that they don't have midwives for things like home birth services, but they're not offering reasonable contracts to independent midwives who yeah. say that they would be willing to come in and work uh, if they were offered a reasonable contract. So, you know, making sure that trusts really do kind of have the resources to do that um, and are made to. Um, and yeah, reducing the uh, demand on staff so that staff are getting proper breaks and you know proper days off um and you know i think those are the the core things is you know getting more staff in is amazing but it's not going to help unless we're taking care of them properly um so really trying to focus on on that problem rather than promising oh we'll get three thousand new midwives who are then going to replace you know three thousand who leave yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. it's the retention of the staff you're right you, they recruit what so many staff but they only stay six months a year because they've had enough um i think we definitely need more media coverage on the actual crisis mm. i think it's not but it's never been it's never mentioned i've only seen this you know this new march for midwives and all of this coverage at the moment through social media like instagram through you erin really mm. um it's not on my news or anything and a lot of people actually don't have a clue what's going on and how bad it really is. And I think um, the reality needs to be really highlighted um, and it may be, it, it's hard, I think, for some people, but I do think uh, it needs to be, it needs to be broadcasted mm. a lot more um, worldwide than it, than it is. Even in the UK, there's nothing, nothing being shown on it really. Yeah. And there is a petition as well, isn't there, Elf, that people can, can sign? 
There is, and there's links to that in the um, online Facebook group. I don't have the name of the petition in front of me, um, but I think it's just past 75,000 um, signatures. So it'll be going to um, Sayyid Javid to, um, yeah, for, for response, although I'm not entirely sure how, what, what kind of response they're expecting. Um, given given the responses to, to letters so far, yeah. um, but still, you know, showing that this is something that people care about is really important. Um, and it's you know one of the, the things you can do that just takes two minutes. Um, you know, it's, it's not a big, big uh, drain out of your day, but it's just to say that this matters to me. I've heard how bad the situation is, and I think it needs to change. Yeah, so I'm that it changes now. I think before it gets, it, as, as you said, Erin, there's going to have really dire effects. Um, and at what point do they then say, oh, we need to help now? You know, is it going to be too late? Um, probably. Yeah. So ho I mean, hope, hopefully the, the, the noise that is made on Sunday um, brings some media attention and brings it to the forefront and that the government... Um, listens um, and I really appreciate both of you giving your time today to come and talk to me about it because hopefully this will help with some of that profile raising and, and awareness. Um, Elle, if, if anybody wants to find March for Midwives on, on social media where do they find the, the, their social media accounts? Um, so there's March with Midwives UK on Facebook um, there's March with Advice Instagram and also March with Advice Twitter accounts. Um, there's also lots of regional um, accounts on all of those um, platforms and you can find those through the central group. So if you go in and search for your area, you know, there'll be links over to your local um, maternity groups. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And where, where can people find you as well, Elle? Um, so I'm online mostly as Nature and Nurture Doula, which is the name of my business. So the best place for that is probably on Instagram, which is Nature and Nurture Doula, um, or my website is naturenurturedoula.co.uk. Um, so yeah, if anyone has any questions, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, please feel free to get in contact with me. Fab. Thank you so much for your time, guys. I really, really appreciate it. And um Good luck at the vigils and um, hopefully we'll make some difference. Thank Fingers you. Crossed. It's exciting, definitely. <laughs> it is exciting. Um, and I think, you know, it's easy to feel gr like grim in all of this mm -hmm. and, and statistics and everything. Uh, but it's also wonderful seeing so many people come together and say, you know, this does matter to us. And we're not going to go quietly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it gives me real hope that things might actually be, be made better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And good luck with um with everything in the future, Millie. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been, a, it's been so lovely chatting. <laughs> thank you for all your work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> See you later, guys. Bye. The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.